Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nakam Siegel Network, NakamSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And uh, no colleagues, no guests practicing social distancing. We are six, seven, some will say three months into this. But the lockdowns that most of America is feeling, um, those right now are, uh, are sinking in. That it's uh, six weeks already, and it's possibly another, you know, just as long before things get back to normal. Actually, I mean, I think it's important that we understand is that things really aren't going back to normal, at least in the normal that we see. And I think it's worthwhile to talk about that for a couple seconds, because actually a couple minutes, because it's it's. We're seeing the tension between science and politics. And the question in a lot of people's minds is, where is the science? And science should have some certainty to it, at least in our collective understanding. But right now, science doesn't have certainty because we don't understand enough about the virus. So we can be hopeful. We can be aspirational. That's a word from last month. Or we can ignore it in politics and kind of go our own way and kind of say, okay, you know, let's let's see what happens. That's a phrase that we hear somewhat regularly. But the tension between the two, and of course we have the tension, which is the economic tension, which of course is a political tension as well, because the economic calamity that is facing many people and many of us and society and our government is, of course, a political issue. And the fact that people cannot do the things that they want to do is, of course, a political issue. And so, therefore, reopening the states and reopening businesses and reopening things is a political issue. And what those in government and those in positions of authority, you always want to say yes. You don't want to say no. But in the end, you have a responsibility. In many cases, a sworn responsibility to protect the life of the people. I mean, that really is what the essential function of government is to protect people. Now, some people might argue, and they are arguing, that taking away individual liberties and taking away people's jobs, in a sense, because of that, is the violative of government's role. The question then becomes, is who are we willing to sacrifice? If there is a medical certainty, if there's a scientific certainty that some people will die and we've seen so many people die and let's just not kid or, let's not kid ourselves i mean the numbers themselves are 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 beyond staggering i don't even want to say staggering because that would not even do it justice i mean we are looking at you know what we should just go through them the total number of confirmed cases that's people tested worldwide right now 
stands at 2.65 million. Of those, the United States, by far the highest. Although, look, we, we, we have every right to be skeptical of some of the numbers in authoritarian and totalitarian regimes. North Korea, for example, says they have no cases. We'll leave it at that. We can't really trust the numbers coming out of China. We can't really trust the numbers coming out of Iran. But let's go with what the numbers that we do have. United States, 849,000 people infected. Even in the last day, another 9,500 tested. 47,684 have died. And that's with the numbers flattening, flattening the curve. That's a, just an incredible number. And we take it locally. Um, you know, we there are even countries that had seen, you know, that had said, well, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to make it. People had said it for some reason that Russia was not going to be affected. Russia is up to 62,000 people infected, 5,000 in the last day, almost 5,000 in the last day. The United States confirmed cases as we talked about over 800,000. And right now looking at New York still way ahead. Um, just bringing out the numbers right now. Some reason not, uh, my table here is a little bit slow, but, uh, all right, let's just see for a second. Anyway, the numbers themselves are staggering. And every every person, I mean, Stalin famously, famously said, one person dying is a tragedy. A million people dying is a statistic. And some ways, you know, you can bury some of these statistics in a very, you know, in a very sad story. In a very sad litany of uh, of tragedy but the numbers themselves are just are, 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 are just quite incredible I mean New Jersey is almost at a hundred thousand cases 5,000 deaths okay just trying to keep up I mean you think about it I mean this is Massachusetts 42,000 cases now I mean you California, 37,000. Pennsylvania, now 36,000. Michigan, 33,000. Okay, we know about the 200,000 in New York. And for some reason, not coming up on my screen. I don't know what's... Uh, I'm probably looking at the wrong. Uh, but anyway, 
you know, there's there are obviously issues. The issue is 257,216 cases as of this morning uh, in New York, 142,432 in New York City, 31,555 in Nassau, 28,854 in Suffolk. And we have, you know, we have, we know New York with a dense population and the transportation system and the mass transit it was clearly here for a month it was clearly here and we're learning right now that the first corona cases were in february and that this was circulating um before anybody knew it before anybody knew what to do and what happened and the numbers another 4.4 million americans have filed for unemployment just in the last week that number keeps going As I said, 46,785 deaths in the U.S. And this is something, of course, that optimistically and, you know, not to rock the economy and the markets and the White House had said that was just going to go away. And even now we see the tension between the science and the politics because the president gets up there every day and talks and and talks. um, We get to that a little bit later about the usefulness of the of the news conferences and i think he is actually uh, really just dominating the coverage every day which is exactly what he wants remember this is what he did in 2016 in the primaries dominated the airwaves that nobody else could get on and it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant is it useful for our fight against coronavirus i'm gonna leave that aside i'm not a scientist but uh politically he he bends the narrative to to uh to what he's looking for um so it's i'm gonna have to say i just think it's a brilliant strategy okay the new york number is four sixteen nineteen thousand four hundred thirteen deaths in new york total i mean that's just incredible and we all know people who have passed away from coronavirus and every single one of those is a tragedy and we it's just amazing the number of people sending shiva the number of people who have are that we know that passed away and nobody is unaffected by this. But the question is now, you know, do we go on? And there's this whole fight going on in Georgia. And it seems somewhat of the, you know, kind of testing the waters, if you will. Right now, the pandemic has wiped out every single job since the Great Recession. So all the job growth that we've had since 2008, essentially, 2008, 2009, all that, that's 10 years or 12 years of, of, of economic expansion are all wiped out. And that's what's going on. And people just kind of can't handle that. There's 26.4 million Americans filed for unemployment in the last five weeks since this pandemic started, since the closure started, since things. And how do businesses continue without customers? How do restaurants continue without customers? Even, you know, doing takeout, all these places... Uh, it's just it's just a tragedy as to what's going on. There is a personal tragedy, and then there's an economic tragedy. And so the question is now: Let's take Georgia for a second, and then I want to bring it back to our community. I want to bring it back to an understanding of you know kind of where we should be and how we should think about this because it's not over. People think, oh, okay, this person had it, that person had it. It's over. We can move on. I had it, so therefore I can move on. And I'm actually going to say right now, I had it. I was sick. I was sick for a week, probably a good 10 days. It was awful. It was incredibly 
trying. It was incredibly difficult for me, for my family. Um, it's just, it's a terrible disease. It's terrible. Um, I want to go into all the details about, you know, how you feel, but it's just, you know, it's like being in a fog for a full week and uncontrollable fits of coughing and and not so much the fever, but the aches, the pains, the fact that you can't move. You can't, I never had the, thank God, I never had the issue, um, you know, the difficulty breathing, but it was incredibly, incredibly difficult. So let's just go talk about Georgia. So Governor Brian Kemp, obviously uh, close to the president, close Trump ally. Uh, and then you have Governor DeSantis in neighboring Florida. Um, both of them, DeSantis very slow to close uh, the state. And even this week, I think the beaches in Jacksonville reopened and then beaches in Georgia. Well, Governor Kemp put out a series of openings, essentially, but strange businesses, tattoo parlors and massage parlors and haircut and all these places where it requires physical touching. It doesn't even seem to make sense, the idea that you could, you would open those. And the interesting thing then is he was going to open that and he said he had a conversation with the president. The president's given him his blessing. And then last night at the press conference, the president said, I'm, I don't think he should open. I don't think he should do it. So it was kind of like, and I'll tell you, the president is the only one who could pull this off because he's the only one who can change his mind in the same day and just do it because I, I, I don't know. I don't know how he gets away with it. Not it gets away with it in the sense like it's, he just, everything is a trial balloon, which is interesting. I mean, nobody else really gets that ability to kind of do that, to kind of throw those out there. Um, politically, as somebody watches politics, it's it's quite incredible. It's incredible skill. So now you have a situation where, you know, is the state of Georgia opening? Are they going to open movie theaters on Monday? Can you imagine going to a movie in a situation like this? And I think that, you know, I want to talk for a second about kind of where we stand from a medical perspective. And I, I'm going to read the thoughts of a doctor, uh, Akiva Bergman, a local doctor um, here in the Five Towns for Rockway community, who offered, I thought, a very cogent analysis of kind of where, of how you got to, how you have to think personally and for your family about coronavirus over the coming weeks, as you say, well, you know, is has it run its course? So in a sense, you have to, he says, you have to think about what category of people you fall into. And then from there, you have to think about how you are going to approach your life and going forward. So there's five categories, this doctor said. One, those who tested positive for COVID-19. Number two, those who had significant classic COVID-19 symptoms but were not tested. Number three, those who had mild symptoms that are suggestive of COVID-19. Number four, those who had no symptoms but had repeated direct contact with a COVID-19 patient. Number five, those who had no symptoms and no sustained direct contact. And number five is really important because there are a lot of people, particularly the elderly, 
anybody, let's say over over sixty, and we 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 know people who are over sixty. We know younger people who have passed away, um, on you know terribly, tragically. But a lot of them have essentially stayed home since Perm or before Perm and have not gone anywhere. Or high contact, they have their groceries delivered, have everything delivered, and they haven't gone anywhere. So, question is, you know, those people. But let's just talk for a second. Okay? Those who tested positive already. There's two questions. Can I give it or can I get it? And we don't really know enough right now is that about how it's transmitted. But the question is, if I had it already, can I transmit it to other? We don't know. I'm sorry. We don't know how. We know how it's, well, we learn more about how it's transmitted. We don't know how long somebody can shed the virus for. So can somebody who had it already give it to somebody else and if you're in that category and the questions are and and it seems to be that it's unclear how long but you certainly if you've had it and you've recovered you can still transmit the virus to somebody else so even if you're in that category so people walk around they say well i can't get sick again but you can get other people sick and who amongst us is willing to take that risk. Now we have these tests, we have the antibodies tests, those instant antibodies tests have proved that they're really not that useful, they're not that effective, they don't test specifically for COVID-19, they test for coronavirus in general. Then there's a blood test, which is a regular overnight blood test that also tests for antibodies, maybe that will be more useful. But it's kind of unclear as to where that where if you mix vulnerable vulnerable people, let's say the people in categories four and five, with people in categories one, two, and three, and we know that people who are asymptomatic can get can get it. I mean, can shed the virus, can give it. So if you mix all those people together and you start go ahead and reopening and you say, even with the masks and the gloves, there's still a chance that many people are going to get it. And we know there is no cure and there's no vaccine. And I know everybody wants to talk about hydrochloroquine and HCQ and it's out there and it's this and that, but the studies are inconclusive. And it's kind of unclear as to why even the president yesterday stepped back from a full endorsement of HCQ because of... uh, because of, I guess it was two days ago, because of a study that happened in the Veterans Administration. That's part of the government, 350 veterans. So it's not a question of whether this is, this is not the, the scientific study that they're looking for, it's not the controlled study they're looking for, but it's clear that it's not the miracle drug that they were hoping for, and everybody's hoping for a miracle. I don't, I don't, I would not criticize the president at all on that, but the question is, do you promote it? as such with that with the bully pulp that he has so there are a lot of people who will still be susceptible to COVID-19 and they can be infected by silent asymptomatic carriers and they won't be able to rejoin society they won't be able to go anywhere so the question is now do we leave them at home 
and and let the rest of us relatively healthy people kind of resume our lives? Or do we continue to try and mitigate the spread? So let me just take you to a letter from another local doctor, Mark Cyclic. And he talks about we don't the fact that we don't know enough about the science right now. Because really what you need is either one of the two things. We need a, you need a vaccine, which we don't have, or you need herd immunity, which is enough people who have the antibodies that can protect most people out there. And therefore, the virus will cease to be able to find carriers because most people have antibodies, and therefore, it will essentially die on its own, which has happened to viruses as well. They just go ahead and disappear, although that doesn't seem to have happened here. And without that, or without some kind of cure, we're not going to be there. Now, the question is, for the rest of us, for people out there, like a person like me, okay, I had it. What do I do? Well, I'm I'm always in a mask if I go outside. I mean, unless I'm taking a walk, you got to follow that. Even though I'm not necessarily nervous, or not as nervous for myself that I'm going to get it again. Although some people say that's unclear, but I'm not as nervous as other people should be. But I'm still going to be in a mask because how can I go ahead and possibly infect somebody else? So. Dr. Cyclic's recommendations are, number one, we should always assume that everyone is shedding the virus. You can't go wrong with this premise. Maintain social distancing at all times with people not in your household. Even close friends, even family. Number two, wear a mask at all times. Even if it doesn't protect you, it will prevent you from spreading the virus by sneezing or coughing or through saliva. Not everyone knows that they have been infected. I mean, that's true. I mean, there's just there's not a, there's just not that much testing out there. And even if we tested everybody, sometimes there's nothing to prevent somebody who's been tested already from then getting the virus a week later. And so the testing really is kind of in the beginning that we well we still need to test because we still need to know. But we still we should isolate those people who have it. Number three, don't think that groups you organize are safe. Do not go to any group meeting that anyone sets up is both illegal and dangerous, and that includes religious gatherings. Right now, there's a tremendous tension about outdoor minyanim. Can we have an outdoor minion? And we've seen what happened in Lakewood, back and forth and back and forth on that, and it's seemed to be two minds, but every other group, whether it's Five Towns for Rockaway, Rabbanim, the Rabbinical Council of Bergen County, all the rabbis in Atlanta, in Baltimore, in Chicago, they're all, Dallas, they're all saying with unanimity, no, minyanim, because people, bottom line is people don't stay away from each other. We're social people. We like the social contact. We like to talk. We like to schmooze before, after. We also like to dive with the minion. There's no question. It's a big hole in our lives. But at the same time, what right do you have to go ahead and potentially infect other people with this deadly virus? And it is deadly. Number four. Organize your shopping trips and other necessary trips. Don't go back for items one at a time. Practical advice. And number five, very important, and I see people who are not doing this. If you're exposed to someone with the virus, go into quarantine. 
especially also if you have the virus, until you don't have symptoms. Go into quarantine. People don't do that. That means not going out. That means not going out for a walk. Stay inside until the incubation period passes if you haven't had it. And if you do have it, it's seven days from a positive without symptoms, you know, three days with no symptoms, consult your medical professional on that. I just want to say one more thing about Minyanim, and it's on this. We're going to get to, we'll get to politics in a second, but the question of Minyanim is just unbelievable. It keeps going up, and I understand the people need to return to normalcy. They've seen the lull. Everybody talks about flattening the curve. The curve's flattened. It is, in fact, flattened. But the question is, it's we're not in a normal situation. But I want to point out, having a religious gathering in New York State is illegal. No gatherings of any type are permitted, as per Governor Cuomo's executive order. If you don't like it and feel very strong that this violates your constitutional rights, you have the right to go to court and challenge it. And I've told this to people. You have the absolute right as an American. You have a right to protest it. You have a right to write to him. You have a right to do it. You don't have a right to violate the law and put other people in danger and put the police department or the police officers that respond in danger. You don't have that right to do that. You don't have a right to just willfully violate the law just because you feel you wake up in the morning and decide that this is what you need to do. It's wrong. It's wrong, and I would dare say there is certainly an element of Eva and Chilal Shem to it. People should realize that these things have ramifications. So we talk about this tension between the science and the politics, and this is one of them. There's no question that our doctors are telling us that there is a clear scientific danger towards opening up society right now. Maybe, and we've seen the curve flatten, and it takes days, it takes worse, but the social distancing is working. Why would we go ahead and run that risk right now? So let's talk about the president for a second. Let's talk about these press conferences. The president is doing these press conferences every day. It's his megaphone. It's his rally. He's getting his words out to the to people. Uh, I think it's... Personally, I think it's a little bit crazy. I'm not, I see the genius in it, but it's unbelievable that kind of we're taking scientific advice from general, from somebody who's not qualified to give the scientific advice. And you could say a lot, you can like or hate the president, but he's not qualified to give this scientific advice, but he's answering these questions. And then sometimes he'll answer with, we'll see, and we'll see, I don't know, this, that. It's it's quite, it's quite incredible that, uh, but... We've also seen him have, as he did with the CDC director uh, yesterday, go up and kind of walk back certain statements he doesn't like. In this case, it was, there was a walk back, which wasn't, in fact, a walk back, uh, where Dr. Redfield said that there's going to be it could be it could be worse uh, in the fall because we're going to be battling flu and coronavirus at the same time. We won't know which is which. They're both respiratory illnesses. And he's right. And he said it was what president wanted him to walk it back. And he didn't, in fact, do that. Now, maybe the headline kind of skewed what he said. But but then the president makes so many other headlines when he's saying it that it kind of drowns out that original one. And as he said, dominating the airwaves is what he did in 2016 is what he done since he's president. We don't remember all the statements that, that 
have gone on. And he talks about testing, and he talks about the fact that we're testing more. And bottom line is that he doesn't want to be questioned about testing because there are more tests, even though it's not per capita tests. We have more tests than any other country, and that's it. So he has no problem going ahead and sometimes contradicted or being contradicted by the medical professionals, Fauci, Deborah Bricks. Um, and it happens. The supply chain still a mess. It's still a mess. Okay, the fact is that every it's every everybody for themselves. Masks, gowns, goggles, ventilators. Are they going to the right place or not? It's just it's quite it's quite remarkable what's going on. And what comes down to it is who remembers Joe Biden at this point? I mean Joe Biden actually quite big question was can he raise money? He raised a lot of money, still less this quarter, he was still less than uh, than the president did. He's got a lot of catching up to do when it comes to the money race. But now you have a unified Democratic Party. So the big question is now who will be his vice president pick? He's put it out there that it's going to be a woman. And now the sweepstakes begins. You know, can he have that? Um, can he have that uh, surge of interest? when it comes down to over the coming weeks to kind of break through all the noise with regard to coronavirus, with regard to the president, etc. But uh, so I want to leave with this. I want to leave with this thought about the fact about the coronavirus. The New York Times is reporting that it's possible that there were 10,000 New Yorkers that were infected back in February before anybody there was a known case and 10,000 people in San Francisco before there was a known case, which is just remarkable and it's just uh, a testament to the fact that we must, must remain vigilant. We must remain on our guard about this. It is a silent killer in many cases. We don't know that it's there. We don't know that people have it. We don't know who has it exactly. Please, please practice social distancing. Please wear a mask. You should wear gloves as well every time. Sanitizer. Wash your hands. Please be safe. You'll be Better for you, better for your family, and better for everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.